Alright. So where where do you want to start from? We were talking about mindfulness. Yeah. And how technology requires like less like thought. Yeah, the, the whole point of tech the, so uh, the whole point of technology is to take less time, energy, and thought to accomplish something. But that's also the danger. Right? That is also the danger, right? Because it is the opposite of mindfulness. And it gives you leverage, which is wonderful, but at the price of mindfulness. Right. And therefore, because we live in, a, in the literally Silicon Valley is the ultimate technological <laughs> culture, mm-hmm. um, it is important to be mindful about what we do care about and what does matter. Otherwise, we will uh, leverage the things we care about out of existence, <laughs> like relationships, identity, <laughs> Physical fitness. Yeah, so we talk about for the summer, you know, the three goals, uh, well, in, in order of increasing difficulty, is you know financial health, physical health, and I guess for like to, for parallelism, spiritual health, mm-hmm. right? So for financial health, it's like having a budget, even if it's a very simple one that's easy to meet, hopefully, where we understand how much money you have coming in, uh, the, and basically between now and Christmas, making sure we have a managed spend so that you don't overwhelm it or at least if you do overspend it you do it where you are mindful of the consequences mm-hmm. i'm doing this which means i will not be able to do these other things okay right secondly similarly with physical like i think it would be great for you to have a goal that you are in uh solid shape um for um flag football in the fall mm. if you are really going to try out for that i think you need to be able to you need to have stamina and you need to have resilience Right. Okay, which means that, uh, like, it was really impressive to me how your coach could get you to do 14 laps, and you didn't actually injure yourself. You may have hated your life, and you hated him, but you didn't actually injure yourself. I injured myself. How? When? When he's hurt. After. Yeah, but you didn't actually seem to be... It wasn't like a long-term thing. Yeah, you, 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 you were in pain, but you were not injured. And, that's right. a, and learning that distinction is huge. Like, that is the most important thing that you can learn in terms is, is like I said, good pain versus bad pain. Right. And you distinguish. And our body does not uh, directly give us that information. We only sense pain. We have to use discernment to distinguish good pain from bad pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we build stamina. Stamina is by doing that. So, but then the third thing, which is the hardest one, is I guess spiritual health, which is, for lack of a better word, integrity or wholeness. Which is that enlightenment. enlightenment is different, um, and oddly enough, um, useful, but in some ways less important than wholeness. Um, Similar like spiritual contentment. Hmm. Spiritual contentment. Um. So what? What? what like wholeness. Wholeness. Uh, wholeness is being um, is the opposite of alienation or fragmentation. So fragmentation is when I am different people at different times and I don't like some of them, right? That's alienation. Um, it calls me Doc. Face the day strong, Doc. Doc, oh, because you saw, you saw my watch. You haven't re... But that's fine. That's what I go by. You go by Doc now, right? Because you inherited that from me. Right. Yeah. Just take uh, up the mantle. Yeah. Careful. You could get stuck with that. I, there was a guy I worked with at Apple whose nickname was Gramps. And when he was in his... 30s, it was ironic. <laughs> By the time you retired, it was no longer ironic. <laughs> um, oh, wait. No, I'm not becoming a doctor. Well, no more than I am. As long as I marry a doctor, right? <laughs> the, um, 
he can be Doc like uh, Doc in the uh, the dwarves. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a medical degree. Um, or like, uh, eh, what's up, Doc? <laughs> it's not actually. Yeah, Elmer Fudd is the is definitely not considered anyone's idea of a doctor. <laughs> yeah. So that's a fascinating question. Why he says, "What's up, Doc?" Um, there's got to be a comment game. below. No. There's, there's, yes, there we go. Yes, I can put this on my podcast. You could. Yeah. Um, it, this is not unlike the conversations I have on my podcast. Um, so. Question: Should I put it on the one I'm doing with Thatha, or the one I'm normally doing with where I'm doing discipling? Uh, probably not the discipling one. Okay, so we just do as a bonus episode on yeah. with Thatha. Okay. Um. So integrity is. Um, there's an essay I wrote when I took this class on spiritual entrepreneurship, which is kind of my thesis, which is that you know the Bible we talk a lot about sin, um, but that word means almost nothing to moderns. It feels like this weird archaic concept that you know involves blood sacrifices and authority figures and light thunderbolts, lightning bolts coming down from heaven. Um, but I said, in the way that I understand sin, is that sin is things that increase fragmentation, whether we fragment ourselves uh, and we break our connection with ourselves, with others, and with God. Disassociation. Dissociation. Yes. Is it disassociation or dissociation? Dissociation. Is, uh, is I think the word here disassociation means something slightly different um, uh, another word I really like is abjection which is a philosophical term like the way your body uh, excretes poop is abjection it is your body saying this is not me <laughs> right um, and this whole idea of self not self um, and, in or- and I started thinking abjection was a negative thing but then I realized it's a necessary thing, is you have to be able to say that something is not self to figure out who yourself is. Right. That's the first thing we learn, right? Self and not self. Yeah. Exactly. And the... Um, but in the beginning, we have these rigid categories. Um, but when you actually look at the internals of your guts, well, you know, the line between self and not self is like your, your whole alimentary canal is basically a dialogue trying to figure out what is self and not self, what I'm going to let in and what I'm going to take out. And it's kind of an, almost an arbitrary distinction at some point, in, in some sense. Um, and the idea of self-differentiation, which is this talk I'm trying to work on with you, uh, which actually this makes this time with the podcast feed this is on, is about this uh, this podcast I'm doing with your with your grandfather, is about this, this I, I read like the first chapter of that with you, right? This guy, Angelo Ginegri, yeah. and Siler, yeah. And you got bored, which is fine. But now I'm doing it with Thatha. Uh, is this guy who uh, is a hitman who is kind of ashamed at how devolved he is and then how devolved the human race is and he wants to evolve himself and his solution is to abject those parts of him that he finds distasteful. Right. Kind of a kind of an ergot situation. A what? An ergot. Um, where he like he took he got a bunch of biomechanical engineers together and just took out every part of himself that he that wasn't useful. Ah, yes. And then replace it with Technological things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is precisely the thing about... And this is um, the um, hard quest of being human. Because it is convenient and efficient to replace our humanity with machines. Uh Right? And to, like we talked about, uh, just use a digital app to solve the problem. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. as opposed to having to do the visceral, painful, and dangerous work of actually being fully present with other people and ourselves. And ourselves. Yeah. Because what I've discovered is that when I have... Um, when someone offends me or hurts me, I... You know, like the, the was the Godfather line, you're dead to me. You've probably heard this. Like, you know, it's like what we're really kind of saying is that the part of me that relates to you, I am cutting off from myself. Damn. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> yeah, it is. But that is how we survive, right? It is a great survival tactic because if we were fully alive to that emotional pain, we wouldn't be able to function. But it's a terrible strategy. It's a terrible strategy. And the era we are in now is one of. You know, we've kind of done the abjection thing as far as we can, and all those abjected parts of ourselves are coming back to bite us. <laughs> and, you know, the one wonderful thing about COVID-19, amidst all the horrors of it, it realized, like, you know, we are all connected. And if other people act in unhealthy ways... It affects everyone. It affects everyone. And, you know, the flip side of that is that... It, it's So it's easy to see how other people's negative behavior helps us it's harder to see how our negative behavior hurts others yeah and it's even harder to imagine what is the positive thing that we can do that would affect everyone yeah and to me the the word that i keep coming back to is this idea of grace is that when i see someone who does something that hurts me the short-term tactic is i have to object them and object that part of me that connects to them Um, my uh, therapist calls that uh, emotional cutoff and it's like, okay, that is a short-term tactic that you need. But the question is, is what's the solution? Well, you can't just say, well, just surrender and let them flood back into you because then you lose yourself. And that is literally worse than death. People commit suicide when they would rather lose their physical life than lose their sense of self. Right. And they feel like that's their only choice. But the alternative, the gospel, is grace to say, okay, how do I recenter my identity in Christ so that I have the grace to accept their sin as Christ accepts my sin and embed both of us in sort of the matrix of Christ's identity because their sin and their pain is too great for me to absorb with my own sense of self. That's why I have to cut them off. But the whole, you know, or at least a big part of the lesson of the cross is this idea that Christ's identity is bigger than all of that and is able to absorb all the sin of the world, including everything horrible that people have done to me. The psychedelic megazord. The psychedelic meta, uh, psychedelic may not be the right word. Right. It might be, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just into psychedelics. Mm. I thought psychedelics is about transcending the self to having, so. Well, this is more like. Um, the transcendent megazord works. Right, yeah. I'll probably use that as the episode title, Trans- transcendent megazord. Of this? Of this, yeah, for the podcast episode. And then we turn it into a Netflix show. One of my dreams is that we do, and again, this is a fan- fantasy pipe dream, but that we do a, maybe not Christian is the right word, but a redemptive version of the Midnight Gospel. Redemptive. What do you mean by that? Is that the, the beauty of the Midnight Gospel is he doesn't try to reach a conclusion, right? He just explores deep, painful questions with brutal honesty, and I love that about it. Um, but it doesn't always leave people with hope. And, you know, that is fine as a tactic. 
It's the best strategy. It's the best strategy. At least what, in terms of what the thing that I want to do, the reason I am here on this earth, mm-hmm. um, it, it, and the, the thing that I want to do in all the work that I create, is that even if we st- don't end up with an answer, we don't end up with a resolution, we end up with hope. That there's a sense that there is something bigger and better than us who is at work in this, who's going to make it all turn out for good. And one thing I've discovered along the way is that this is actually kind of cruel to give people hope. <laughs> uh, and a lot of people resent that. And and so I want to be gentle about it, but like this is the, the thing that I am relentless about. Is that, okay, I'm willing to let you get by uh, with not having hope. I mean, that's your choice. But I'm but the whole reason I'm engaging with you is to confront you with the fact that I see your pain, I see your brokenness, I see how messed up the world is, and yet I still believe there is valid reason for hope. And whether or not you share that, I want you to at least acknowledge con- it. to at least uh, at least be confronted by it, whether you acknowledge it or not. Mm-hmm. To notice it. To 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 to, to experience, encounter it. Encounter, yeah. That's encounter is a great word. I, I, you know, encounter is originally a military word. It is. It means that, like, it, contra. It's the I, same. I thought it came from Pokemon. <laughs> um, but Pokemon uses it in the technically correct way. It is encounter with an adversary. Right. With an adversary. Yeah, because it's it's contra. It's it, it, the root word, the word encounter there is it's not so much counting. It's contra. It, it's like you are, uh, you you are in in contradiction to or contravened by. Or whatever. Ah, I I never thought encounter and contradiction were from the same root. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love uh, etymology online dictionary and Proto Indo European and all these things because they tell you where these things came from. Great resources. Which is fascinating because we talk about an encounter with Jesus or spiritual encounters. That's just a contradiction. More it, than a well, the thing experience. is, experience. It, it, yeah, it's not just a neutral experience. It's that actually there's something antagonistic to the self in an encounter with Jesus. Or rather, antagonistic to the constructed self. Right. Uh, which is the only way to reach... Uh, transcendence. To, to approach... Um, yes, transcendence, but uh, to um, move from the constructed self to the integrated self. Ah. People right. used to talk about the true self, but that's sort of a, a little bit... Buzzwordy. Well, it's not that. It, it, it creates this... Um, false mythology that you can you can reach union of the true self or that you've achieved it. That's my problem with enlightenment. Is enlightenment is really more of a relative thing than an absolute thing in my cosmology. Right. It's, it's relative to your previous constructed self. You can feel enlightenment, but then you just end up with a a more deeply integrated self. But eventually, there's another transcendence beyond that. Right. Like you never get to the end. Right. And the idea is that, um, and the measure for me is that I'm not really fully integrated unless I'm totally at peace with myself and everyone's self and all of their not-selves. That is true enlightenment and integration. And that is the kingdom of God, and that won't occur until Christ rules in the millennium, whatever that means. But I can approach that by continually uh, facing the brokenness in myself and others and then trying to integrate that pain through grace under Christ until we form the transcendent megazord. Right. Is this a good place to end the episode? I don't know, your choice. All right. I, we need to drive back and use the bathroom. Um, so I'm going to start driving back. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Or any questions? Not really. 
we should do this. Like Saturdays, go out for Starbucks and record our little podcast bonus episode. Yeah. Give him something to look forward to. Yeah. And then Fafa can listen in because it's his podcast feed too. <laughs> we'll probably hurt his brain, but that's okay. Why would it hurt his brain? Huh? Listening to a father and son talk together before, but both over 30. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would talk. But um, the um, part of your... This is crazy. You can listen to this. Part of your grandfather's identity or one of the natures of my relationship with him is he would joke half seriously that he lost me when I was in fifth grade. And um, as I said, that was one of the uh, kindest and cruelest things that ever happened to me. It was kind because um, he was willing to let me be myself. He never claimed... he He stopped trying to force me to be in his image and conform to it. Right. I, he didn't get in your way, but he didn't fully support you. He, yeah, well, he did support me, but he, he, he was, he, he actually, this is the thing, he supported me, but he didn't understand me. And he was willing to embrace his lack of understanding to support me, which was a hugely generous act and, and so counter his Indian culture. And I'm incredibly grateful for that, right? But it also created this deep sense of existential angst because I had nothing to react against to define myself. the Hitler catalyst, but you didn't have the, uh, the Hitler self-identity construction of, like, reacting to the force. Right, I'm pretty sure we've hit Godwin's Law at this point. Godwin's Law? What's that? <laughs> you brought in Hitler, right? Which is like a Nazi reference, and Godwin's Law is that anytime you bring up Nazis, it ends a conversation. But maybe we can translate We're still Godwin. going. We're still going. Wow, we translated Godwin's Law. So, so you want to explain those terms you just used? Um... So, like, when Hitler was a boy, he resented the Jews because his father was, uh, he, he, he was, he... Subservient? He didn't like, he, he, he was, like, pro-war, I guess. And mm-hmm. everyone else, he was pro-German nationalism. Right, yeah. Right. His, and so... Hitler's father No, was? Hitler was. Hitler was, okay, right. right. And so his father was, like, um, anti-war, I think. Ah. So he... His whole and his, he punished him severely. So his whole persona was, "I'm German nationalism. Everything is the Jews' fault," you know. Mm-hmm. And then, but was his father was his father a Jew, or uh, what was his father's no, they, Jew, Judaism? He was, he was um, he was a German. Okay, but you said he was, his father was anti-war, something like that. And and Hitler projected that onto the Jews rather than onto his father. Well, he he couldn't really project it onto his father because his father would just punish him. Well, the question is not what he... He couldn't verbalize it to his father, and therefore... But he he could still project it onto his father or whatever. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, he experienced so much loss in his life and he was like... His country was being ruined. Right. So he... He projected that onto the Jews. Mm-hmm. So just like through pain and through loss and through right, he objected that yeah, pain. He objected, yeah, through hurt and projected it onto the Jews. Right, onto the Jews. So he, because of the pain, he he developed a sense of almost revenge. Yes, and that and that became himself. Mm-hmm. But he, and you're saying that's 
kind of like a diving board. You need something to push off of right. to get a start. Right? And his father wasn't strong enough to provide that for Hitler, so he had to externalize it onto something else. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that was one problem you're not going to have, my son. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't hate the juice. <laughs> my goal is to have you hate me more than you hate anything else. So that we can work through it. Right. And you don't have to dump it on anyone. Unless you. <laughs> else, else, yeah. Well, ultimately, actually, I hope you get beyond me to Jesus, but until then. <laughs> and in fact, you know, I think my father succeeded in that, in some sense, in that, um, you know. Also, where, my father. Because he pointed me to Jesus, you know? And so, you know, I can't real. I don't really have the energy or the justification to hate anyone else. Um, you know, I can get angry, uh, but. There's no specific point where you can focus your anger. Right, because my, my father is too good of a man uh, and too strong of a man, you know, despite his weaknesses, for me to say uh, he should have been better or whatever and realize, like, no, this is just deep existential angst. This is not really anyone's fault other than, you know, Adam's. <laughs> right. You know, it goes back to there. And I, I got my revenge on Adam uh, a couple months ago, so I'm good with that. Um, and... Yeah, in some sense, to, to, to stand in the gap and be the focus of anger uh, and pain so that you don't internalize it until you can externalize it into Jesus. It's, it's hard to let go of anger, and I think the only way to do that is through Jesus. Yeah, there, there has to be a sacrifice uh, in order to achieve catharsis. And Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Yes. You read any Gerard? No. You should find a podcast on Rene Gerard because he is uh, the most fascinating philosophical figure of the 20th century. Um, precisely because he is. Um, um, he came up with a beautiful theory unifying anthropology, psychology, religion, and culture. And unfortunately, he had Jesus in the center, so he got repudiated by all the reputable uh, philosophers. But there's this little, he has this little cult following. And it's really fascinating, because as far as I can tell, the only reason he's rejected is because philosophy is part of their origin story is Nietzsche and rejecting God and the Catholic Church. Um, you know, that is the father figure that they define themselves by demonizing. And so it is literally unthinkable for them to find Jesus as a solution. Good. Because it's the thing they antagonized. Right, they define, well, it's their sense of self, right? The question is like... The, the diving board they pushed off. Yeah, exactly. Or it's the wall they pushed off. Yeah. <sighs> Just like siblings find a lot of their identity in differentiating themselves from each other. For sure. But that's a, that's a different podcast. All right. Till next week. Till next week. <laughs> okay. Bye.